right, good morning to you. We are very glad that you are here today. Thanks for coming to Dorisville Baptist Church. And uh, unless a miracle happened, we're not on the air on the radio. We weren't last week either. There's a problem in the wiring on their end between here and the radio station. And uh, so you might want to pass that. Somebody said, gee, I can't get the radio. Well, that's right. Uh, we have a troubleshooting ticket in with Frontier, and they're supposed to be researching that so we can get back on the air. We may be there this morning, but we are on Facebook Live today, and uh, Jesus told me Monterey Palmer is watching. So, Monterey, we're glad to have you. Just a couple weeks ago, she was one sick lady in the hospital. She watched us last week from the hospital room, and today she is watching us from home. And so we are very glad for her and others like her. Amen. Now, don't forget this morning, uh, I hope that you'll take a moment and get your, your Verizon, are you Verizon, your Uversion app out on your, on your smart tablet or your phone, and go to that corner where it says more, open that thing up, and you'll find all the notes and all the graphics there, and it's a good way to follow along with the sermon, and then you can save that, and it'll be there week after week, and you go back and review the sermon. And if you're going to watch it online later on, same thing, it's up for a whole week, and you can go back to the Uversion app and follow along with our worship events. So anyway, so I hope you'll do all of that. Today we're talking about Love Loves. We're in a series called Love Does. This is week number four of that series, okay? And so here we are in this, and every week we're doing like Love Does, Love This, Love That. And today I thought, you know what? Love Loves. And we're in, and oh dear, hang on a second. Sarah's asking me something. Sarah's a nice person, but she interrupts all the time. All the time. But here we are. And I say, you know what? Love is an amazing thing. But love loves. Love loves. So we're going to be in John chapter 15 today looking at how love loves. Now, there's an interesting thing in romance, okay? And uh, boy, it's really a big deal. As you progress in the relationship, okay, at some point, um, usually it's the guy, I think. I think guys are better at this than the girls are. Um, but, but anyway, so you reach this magical point where something comes out of your mouth, you know, and you say the words, I love you. And it was a magical moment. I asked, I asked Tracy, you know, back when, on Brent's Big Day, you know, when they had them both up here and they're answering questions about marriage. And the question was, um, who said I love you first? And it was Brent. Okay. And so I asked Tracy this morning the important question, what did you say back? Gratefully, she said, I love you too. All right, yay, yay, come on. That's all clap. That's good news. That's good news. Now, I'll tell you why that's good news. Because have you ever had this happen before? Men, men, you've dated her now for about five or six or seven weeks. You're emotionally all stirred up inside. And those words tumble out of your mouth. And you say, I love you. Awkward silence. Ever had that happen? Well, I wasn't going to tell the story, and I will not make it long. But for some weird reason in my twisted brain, I dated this girl for like a zillion years. I mean, like we started, I was probably a, a sophomore in high school and dated her until I was in the Air Force. So, I mean, it was a long time. And it was a really weird relationship. I mean, you know, I don't know why. I mean, she wasn't like Miss America either. I mean, it wasn't like she's the most beautiful girl in the world. Um, but for some reason, she went to church, and I went to church, and we were a couple, you know? And I can remember so often saying, I love you, and she'd go, 
You know, and when she signed my, when she signed, yeah, I know, it's really awkward, I'm telling you. And so I, she signed my yearbook, okay, year after year, and sometimes I would get a, I love, L-U-V, you, sometimes I'd get a, I love you. And I remember finally in my senior year, she said, I'll finally say it, I love you, and I'll be honest, I don't think she had a clue what that meant, okay? But, but I was in this twisted relationship, and I so craved to hear back, I love you. Well, then, Miss Judy comes along. Hello, come on now, come on. That's a, again, you talking about a game changer. I'm glad I went to church on that Wednesday night, I'll guarantee you. And I walked there, and there she was, and called her up and had a date on Thursday night, called her Tuesday, and had a date. We've been together ever since. And I remember, I, I said, I love you first. And she said, and I love you too. And it's so affirming that it happened. It's really an essential deal. And in our family, and I bet it's your family too, in, in, in our family, invariably, invariably, when there's a conversation going on and we're going to leave the house or hang up the phone, one person will say, I love you. And then we are to respond with, because we do, I love you too. But it's really awkward that it happened. So love, to be strong like God wants it to be, is a responsive deal. And, and that's exactly what we find in John chapter 15. Okay? Now I want you to get this today. Okay? Men, I know, I know. We would rather be talking about cars, fishing, or hunting, okay? I know that. But this is, like, so important for all of us today that we really get this idea of a mutual kind of love. And of all the places we could look, okay, we're going to look to God the Father and God the Son and see how they responded to one another and how they respond to us. So John chapter 15, verse 9, kicks all of this off, okay? Here's what Jesus said. Now, now, again, let this soak in. Don't let this run past you. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Oh, my goodness. So, so this really, I mean, I'm a little preacher ginger in overdrive, okay? So I'm going, I'm going, okay, so how did God the Father love the Son? I mean, how do you do that? Okay, so, so here's what I'm thinking in my brain, okay? So God the Father sends Jesus down and puts him on a rugged cross where he scourged, bruised, and beaten the deaths of deaths, okay? And, I mean, there's no doubt that, that that's what Jesus loved us, but how does the Father... It seems to me like that, that the Father seemed to love the world more than he loved his Son because he put him in this predicament. You know, so I'm really like, well, what does this father's love look like? And then I have one of those dumb moments. Okay, the answer. Let me. It'll be on the screen. But in John fourteen eight nine, we get to have an answer to the question, the big question. Okay, here's what you know. You know, Philip is asking the question of Jesus. All right, so we have this question. Lord, he said. Lord, Philip said, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. <laughs> I thought, and I said, oh yeah, I bet that went over well. Hey, hey, Jesus. You're not enough. We want to see Dad. Yeah, Jesus, you're not enough. We want to see the Father. Okay? And, you know, Jesus responds and says, Jesus said, Have I been among you all this time, and you do not know me, Philip? I mean, you've been walking with me now for a while. Really? Really? Are you asking this question? And here he says, The one who has seen me has seen the Father. So if you've seen Jesus, he's saying to Philip, you've seen me. 
Okay? And then he goes on, you know, how can you say, show us the Father? Well, there was the answer. If you want to see how the Father loved the Son, you simply look at how the Son loves us. So the same way that Jesus loves us is the way, you know, it's almost like an algebraic equation. Did I just say algebraic? Holy, is that even a word, Tracy? (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's like one of those math equations, okay? But it's so true. It's so true. The way that Jesus loves us is the way the Father loves him. Okay, now, now I got a slide up here that, that I think puts it pretty good. You know, it's something we don't think about, all right? Love calls the Father his son, and his son, the son, his life. Love calls the Father his son, and his son his life. So, so my point is this. We always, I mean, we know. We know. You know, we know about this. I mean, it's so obvious, and we're going to look at it in just a moment. It's really cool. We're going to look at it and see how, how Jesus loved us. I mean, this is the megaphone of love. This is the monument to love. This, this is like the statement that when God, whenever I think God doesn't love me, this, if Jesus doesn't love me, this says he did because he went and endured this horrible death. I mean, we got all kinds of evidence of that, okay? But you know what we don't think? What was it like for the Father? What was it like for the Father to give his son to the cross? You think that was easy? You think, you know, God has said, hey, Jesus, go down the cross, bud. See you when you're up again. No. It was so painful for him to send his only begotten son to earth to live to die. See, the, the message of the cross is spelled out in sacrifice. The father sacrificed. Anybody here have a son? You got a son? Can you imagine giving that son to death? Can you even imagine that? Giving that son to death for, for people that may or may not even care or love you? You can't imagine how painful that would be? Well, that's the pain that the father felt. That's the pain the father felt. So if you want to know, again, the love of Jesus, look at the love of the father. And God loved us so much and loved his son so much. That he was willing to redeem the world through his son. It's a, it's a huge price that God the Father paid. And it's a huge price that the son paid. I, I gave you this quote, I think, like two weeks ago. Um, Rick Warren said, and it really lays it out there nicely. You know, God didn't just say he loves us. You know, and that's really, and I think that's why, I was, you know, see, that's why sometimes, you know, words are easy. You know, I say to Judy, I love you, you know, and she said, I love you. But, but if our marriage is a wreck, if our lives are a wreck, if I wouldn't give her the time of day, if I, if, you know, my time is more valuable than to devote it to her, that would be meaningless words. So God didn't just say he loves us. He acted upon his love. He said, in effect, and I love the way Rick Warren wrote this. He said, I'll do anything I can to bring you home to heaven. Even if it means my only son dying on the cross. I love you so much, I'll do whatever it takes to bring you home to heaven. Even if it means 
my son dying on a cross. We sing a song entitled, What a Beautiful Name, and one of the verses says this, you know, you didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, but your love was greater. What could separate us now? Are you overwhelmed with that? That God loved you that much? That Jesus loved you that much? That the, that the message of the cross is spelled out in sacrifice? That on that day, God lost his son and his son lost his life? Tell me you're not valuable. Tell me that God doesn't love you. Tell me God doesn't care. It forever is indelibly written. He loved us and proves it by the sacrifice of his son and Jesus' sacrifice of his life. You know, I look back in John chapter 10, and it's a great, it's a great passage there. It talks about how much Jesus loves us and how much God loves us, okay? And I don't usually do the point thing anymore, you know, but I did this time, okay? And, and Beck and Tracy, I made this word up. I just need to tell you, okay? I looked up, it's not a word. It's inexhaustive. Inexhaustive. It's just not a word. So don't look it up on dictionary.com. But it means, what I'm trying to say, it has no limits. It has no limits. This is what John 10, 14 says. I am the good shepherd. I need Paul's there, because this is really significant. You know, back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, okay? You know, Moses saying, hey, I'm going back, you know, I'm going to tell these people that you want to set them free. And they're going to say, who shall I say has sent me? You remember what God said? Uh, tell them, I am that I am sent you. Okay? So that carried through all the way up in the New Testament. And there are seven times in the book of John when Jesus says, I am. It's known as the seven I am statements of Jesus. I am the door, I am the living water, I am the bread. And here he says, he says, I am the good shepherd. And what he's saying is, as God, as God, I am the good shepherd. Ask God, I am the good shepherd. Okay, and watch this. He says this. I know my own, and my own know me. In fact, he says, just, now here, watch this now. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. This is amazing. So what he says is, as much as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, so I know you, and I give you this invitation to intimacy, intimacy to know me. That's huge. That's huge. Jesus does not want to be a figure hanging on a cross in some church. Jesus does not want to be some foreign redeemer, okay, that you don't know. Jesus wants to be intimate with you. He wants intimacy with you. And he says, as much as like the Father knows me and I know the Father, I want you to know something. I already know you and I invite you to know me. That's incredible. The creator God of the universe, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, the man who died on the cross, the one who was virgin born says, I know you, and I want you to know me the same way. I, I, as God, I am the good shepherd, and, and I, I'm, I'm known, I'm known, and I want you to know me, know me, just like the Father um, knows me, and I know the Father. He invites us into this great intimacy. So, so it's a love that's, that's inexhaustible, has no limits. In fact, he says this. I, don't miss this. I lay down my life for the sheep. How, how, how limitless is his love, Dwayne? He laid down his life for the sheep. You know what's really weird? Have you ever thought about this? The shepherd became a sheep so he could die. 
The good shepherd became the Lamb of God so he could be sacrificed. I laid down my life. In fact, in fact, in eight verses, in eight verses, Jesus says, I lay down my life. I lay down my life. I, now listen, if you're sitting here today, I'm telling you, if you're sitting here today and you need some, some assurance of God's love, you need to know something. Five times in eight verses, Jesus said, I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to lay my life down for you. Why would he do that? Because he loves you as the Father loves him. It's crazy good. It's a, you know, Francis Chan wrote the book, Crazy Love. It's a crazy love that we can hardly get our arms around. That's how amazing. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. So it's inexhaustive. And this is a word. It's inclusive. It's included. Look at the next verse. Verse number 16. But I have... Now, you should like this. Write this down if you're in the app. Okay? You know, I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I, I have... Uh, King James probably said it this way. Uh, I, I have other sheep that are not from this fold. Now, guess who that is? Uh, that would be you. You know, Jesus is originally speaking to the Jewish people. Okay? The sheep of God, okay? Now he says this. I've got other sheep. And he's calling to the Gentile world. He's calling to the Gentile world. He says, you know, as, as the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, I didn't just die for the Jewish people. I died for the entire world. Oh, I love that. I love that. The guy in Africa that nobody knows his name the guy over here two blocks over that no one cares if he lives or dies. The guy who's failed a zillion times and is probably going to fail again. Jesus died for them. He died for you. He died for you. It's just, it's just an amazingly wonderful thing. I have other sheep that are not from this pen. I must bring them also. Because, you know, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Rich man, poor man, it doesn't matter. Black, black skin, you know, Caucasian skin, yellow skin, brown skin, it doesn't matter. You know, BMWs, BMW drivers, beaters that barely can get a license, it doesn't matter. Tats or no tats, piercings or no piercings. No matter how good you think you are or how bad you think he is, he has other sheep. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to bring them home. Isn't that incredible? Talk about love. Talk about love. He wants to bring them into the fold. He says, and, and they must, I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. And then, then there will be one flock and one shepherd, one body, Jew and Gentile together. That's God's intention. Boy, this just popped in my brain, and I'm going to throw it out there. You know, if anybody ought to be leading the charge in race relations, it ought to be the church of God. It ought to be the church of God. Because the ground is level at the cross, and skin color does not matter. And we should be leading the charge in race relations. Hmm. The last thing he says, and I love this, is, is authoritative. It's got authority. It's got authority. Now, now, let me explain that, okay? Look at verse number 17. This is why, what's fixing to follow? 
this is why the Father loves me. He says, I'm going to give you the reason, one of the reasons, why the Father loves me. He says, because I laid down my life so that I could take it up again. Whoa, whoa, this is big. This is big. This is why the Father loves me. I'm willing to lay, I'm willing to, I'm willing, I'm willing to lay my life down. I'm willing to lay my life down and also that I might take it up again. God had to sacrifice his son on the cross, but he did so with the full knowledge that three days later he was coming back. We need to live that way. We need to celebrate the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and not just on Good Friday, but we need to celebrate Sunday, every Sunday, as Resurrection Sunday. The resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to what he says. And don't, don't go past this too quick. No one takes it from me. No one. Not Caesar. Not Pilate. Not Herod. Not the executioners. Not the scourgers. Not the mockers. Not the unbelievers. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down on my own. See, see, if Jesus was murdered, that'd be a tragedy, wouldn't it? Oh, it's so tragic. He was murdered. Um, if, if Jesus was martyred, it'd be admirable. Oh, it's so admirable. He, he was martyred for the cause. But when you consider the fact that Jesus laid his life down and could take it up again, that is nothing short of magnificent. Magnificent. Don't you listen. Don't you dare think Jesus was murdered. And don't you dare think he was martyred. He laid his life down in magnificent gospel glory. In magnificent gospel glory. Woo! He came back to life. He came back to life. That's the power of the love. Now listen, it's time we, it's time we stop getting over this. It's time we realize every time we walk in this building, we celebrate a resurrected Lord who gave us life but came back to life. All for us. All for us. And he goes, I, no one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. And I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. How powerful is that? That's that. This is that wondrous love. All starting with, as the Father loved me, I have loved you. Wow. Okay, get ready. Then he says this. He says in verse number 9, the second part, after he says, As the fathers loved me, I love you. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. I wrote some words down. Um, abide. Abide in my love. Um, bask. Like in a, like you're in the sun. You know, it's a cool day, and you're basking in the warmth of the sun. Bask in my love. Lounge in my love. Relax in my love. Live in my love. So, so the power of all of this, the fact that the Father loves, as the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loves us, the power of that is when we take up residence in his love. Um, Jesus said, you know, John is just so rich in, in things that Jesus said about love. In John 14, 23, Jesus said, Jesus answered, said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a moment, okay? 
Okay, we've got a whole different topic coming up on that. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, and we will come to him. Now listen, listen. And make our home with him. And make our home. The Father, if, if we receive Christ, okay, then the Father is going to come with the Son and take up residence with us. Someone say amen. I heard it, my goodness. I heard it. Mikasa, Sukasa. My house is your house. Now, I know if you had a cousin, Eddie, and they want to knock on your door, can we live with you for a few months? You don't want that kind of company. Okay? I know when we have family reunion, you'll know why our family reunion is three days long? Because that's just about all we can stand each other. Yours is the same way. Yours is the same way. But here is God Almighty and the Son of God with the Holy Spirit saying, tell you what, we're just going to come up and make our home with you. My casa, su casa. Doesn't get any better than that. The creator God of the universe thinks you are so significant as you receive forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. He just simply says, you know what? We're going to make our home with you. Wow, that's so, so powerful. Now, I, I tried to find words. I'm, I didn't do a very good job. On the slide it says, come in and sit a spell. Come in and sit a spell. Come in and sit a spell. Um, to abide in his love can only mean that it's time to sell the camper and RV. Now, camper and RV. Now, I'm not telling you to physically sell your campers and RVs. Don't miss the point. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. It's time to quit roaming around. It's time to sell the camper and sell the RV. And it's time to put down roots. It's time to settle down. It's time to abide in God's love. This is a major doctrine that we need to sink our teeth into. You know, everybody likes, well, no, that's not true. A lot of people like to visit Disney World. But few people would like to live there. Okay? There's no place like home. Home. It's time to put our roots down at home with God. And learn to bask in His love. To, to learn to rest in his love. Now, now this, is a, um, this is one of my favorite scriptures, okay? We use, use it around Good Friday. In, in Matthew 27, you know, Jesus cried out. So he's on the cross. Um, it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's been there hanging there for about 3 hours. Okay, he's very near death. Okay, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up the spirit. Now, what he cried out was, it is finished. It's done. It's done. And the Bible said, now notice, notice by the way, he gave up his spirit. He yielded his spirit. Remember, I lay it down, and I have the right to take it up. Well, that's, that's, that's what happens in Matthew 27, 50. He gives up the spirit. And then in verse number 51, it clearly says, suddenly. Suddenly. So whatever's fixing to follow happened immediately. Okay, I want, don't you miss this. Don't miss it. It happens immediately. All right, so Jesus is on the cross. He's dying for the sins. Okay, the payment for sin is... Death, okay? And so he cries out, it is finished, okay? And gives up, he yields, he wills himself to die, and he dies. And immediately, how soon? Immediately, immediately something happens. What is it? Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary 
was torn in two from top to bottom. Immediately, the curtain from the sanctuary was torn from top to bottom. The exact same time. What is the significance of this? Okay. The curtain separated the holy from the holy of holies. Okay? And as you remember from your teaching, the holy, the uh, high priest could go in once a year and make a sacrifice. And it was a deadly place. A tradition says they would tie a rope around the high priest's leg in case something went south. They would drag him out. Okay? And they also put bells on the hem of his garment so they heard as long as he was dinging, he was alive. At this point, and this was not to be rude, but at this point, there was a sign on the outside of the curtain that said, no trespassing. Sinner, sinners, you're not welcome here. This is the holiness of God, and you're not welcome. And the high priest only went in once a year, bringing the sacrifice to atone for the sins of men. That's the only reason he went in there. Okay? So immediately, when the sacrificial lamb of the sacrificial man, lamb of God dies on the cross. When he cries out, the price is paid. It is finished. Immediately, God reaches down. And I say that because it's torn from top to bottom. God reaches down from heaven and simply tears the curtain apart and opens the holy of holies. And symbolically, he takes down the no trespassing sign. He puts up the welcome sign and says, welcome home. Welcome home. Then sinners like you and me, sinners like you and me can now have relationship and be in the presence of the Holy God. Not because we all of a sudden got better. Not because we all of a sudden mastered it. Not because we've been to church enough or religious enough or Baptist enough. But because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that he spilled on the cross paying the price for my sin because of what he did and what we do by trusting him by faith. We can go into the Holy of Holies. We can go into the presence of God. Oh, man, I'm telling you. I am telling you. Welcome home. Welcome home. The welcome sign is out because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What greater love is this? What greater love is this than a love that holy God makes way that simple man can come into relationship with him. So then, then he goes a little bit further. Then he says this in verse number 10. Jesus then said, now as the Father loves me, I love you, remain in that love. Abide in that love. Back, you know, make it a point that you just constantly live in that love. Okay, so then someone's going to say here this morning, or maybe on Facebook Live, and they're going to say, wait a minute. How do you remain in his love? That's a really good question. How do you do that? I mean, like, is there like... Is there like, you know, you got to church, attend church a certain number of times? Or what do you do? Well, it's a little surprising, but not. Okay? Because in verse 10, he clearly says, Jesus does, um, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Now, now let, me, let me make sure you understand something. Jesus is not saying, okay, if you're a good boy, if you're a good girl, and you keep the rules, I'm going to love you. Nothing could be further than the truth. What he is saying is, when he says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, he's saying within the parameters of obedience to my commands is the abundant life. It's my love. It's my love. That's the kingdom, if you will, of my love. 
See, we'll, we'll talk about that. I'm going to say something I need to say just for a moment, okay? If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. So within the scope of obedience to His commands is the abundant life. Okay, it's the life that God wants us to have, all right? Um, uh, I'll, I'll start begs, and I'll probably slaughter his name. I heard him preach. He's a great preacher. Sincere love is not as a result of emotional surges. It's not like emotionally, okay, I love Jesus, I'm going to live in that love. Oops, I don't love him, I don't, I don't, okay? So, he says, it's not a result of emotional surges, it is a result of obedience to the truth. So, so Jesus has said in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, the thief wants to steal, kill, destroy, but I want to give you this abundant life, okay? And so what Jesus is saying, what, what Reverend Beggs here is also saying, is that that sincere love is found within the parameters of obedience to the truth. Now, here's the deal. Back in the garden, you know, way back when, you know, Satan comes and tells Eve, God's a liar. God's a liar. He doesn't love you. He's withholding from you. And what his real, what God's real deal is, is he wants you to be miserable. So as long as he can keep his thumb on you, he knows you'll be miserable. So that's why he doesn't want you to eat the tree. That's why he, he wants you, he, that's why he wants you not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because he wants his thumb on you. Well, that was a lie. Can I have an amen? That was a lie. Let me ask a question. Why is he still, well, I know why he's still doing it. Is he still doing it today? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Satan is still doing that. We, listen, too many believers in Jesus Christ, forget the world. In this context, too many believers in Christ see this as nothing short of a rule book where God is a mean old God who says you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Okay? This is a no book. Well, I propose to you today, this is not a no book. It is a yes book. Because, see, this book, within this book, is the parameter that God has for us. And what he gives us in this book is designed to give us the best life possible. Eternal life in heaven, but the best life here. You know, sometimes we see this thing as a cage. You imagine a, a cage with a lion just pacing back and forth, back and forth, wanting to get out, wanting to get out. That's how so many people believe the Bible is. It's not. The Bible is freedom. Some people see the Bible as a corral with a raging stallion. Dwayne, I'm a raging stallion. I just want to be free. Well, friend, if you want to be free, get into the Word of God. Because the Word of God is freedom. It's not bondage. It's not bondage. You believe in the lie. You're believing the lie. And the lie is that this is a book of bondage. God wants to keep you under his stone. God is a no God and not a yes God. Does God say no, son? Yeah, but you know why? It's always for our good. When God says it's yes, it's for his glory and our good. And when God says no, it's for his glory and our good. Would we believe that? Would we finally nail that down and we finally would believe exactly that? But listen to what the Bible says about itself. You know, this is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture. Now, how much? You really need to nail that down in your heart. Okay? All scripture is inspired by God. Look, that means God breathed. God is dead. God breathes. Okay? It's all God breathes. And it's useful. Now, now, we old people, okay, need to understand that. And we younger people need to understand that. 
Because I know, you know, again, in the world today, God's word is under attack like never before. All right? God's word is useful. It's useful. Okay? Um, it's used to teach us um, what is true. Now, we need that because we don't know what's true today. Did you know what was right five years ago is wrong today? And what's wrong five years ago is right today? We live in a crazy, upside-down world. And you've got to decide, what is going to set my values? What's going to, is Facebook going to set my values? Is Instagram going to set my values? Oh, let's let Hollywood, because they're really full of wisdom. No. There's one thing that hasn't changed. Look at me. It's the Word of God. Now, call me old-fashioned... Too old preacher, I don't care. But the one thing we can count on in this world is the Word of God. And it's useful to tell us what is true. Because young people especially, our millennial friends, you listen to me. You're being challenged like never before in this world. And you're going to be swayed, if you're not careful, to believe things you never believed before. Where are you going to go for the answers? Oprah? God's Word. Just know it down. Well, it won't be popular with my friends. Really? You care? You really care? What matters is that you're popular with God. <laughs> That's what really matters, you know. All Scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. I know we men don't do this, and I really don't. I've been talking to Dr. Gunzel, sits down here in the front row, about my foot forever. You know, about hurting. Well, <laughs> I held out and it doesn't hurt anymore. Yay! Because I didn't want to go to the doctor because he's going to tell me things like I didn't want to hear. Like, well, Dwayne, you got to wear one of those boots. I have a goal in life. I want to die without wearing a boot. <laughs> you know, you see these people like, you know, I call her Scooter. Scooter now has got one of those boots on. You know, they wear these boots. You know, it's like, it's like one-tenth of a stormtrooper outfit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I have a life. Go, go on, so, so anyway, so I found it. I outlasted it. But generally speaking, we go to the doctor when we have a symptom and we're uncomfortable with it. Hey, doc, something's going on. We want someone to tell us the truth about what's wrong. God's word will tell you the truth what's wrong. Okay? He'll save your marriage. He'll save, he'll save your parenting skills. He may save your career. He'll save your integrity. He'll save your character if we'll let him. The word of God. Okay? It helps us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. And then, and then it teaches us to do what is right. Okay? God used to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Wow. Trust the word of God. If you're going to... Remember now, not Dwayne. Dwayne didn't say this. But God said, Jesus said, if you want to abide in my love, you've got to stay within the parameters of my word. You've got to. You got to. That's it. Okay. Then, and we're a little short of time. So let's go ahead and do Psalm 19. And let's just read through it. It's a wonderful scripture. Um, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, um, bringing joy in the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight to living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are warning to your servant a great reward 
for those who obey him. Trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. Then Jesus said one more thing. That's where we're going to end in verse number 11. He says, I told you these things. As the Father loved me, I love you. Remain this love. To remain love, you stay within the parameters of God's word. Okay? I've told you these things that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete or mature. Okay, I told you all this for that reason. Now, can I flash back to something that God gave me a while back and I keep bringing it up, bringing it up? You know, what is biblical joy? What is biblical joy? Okay, well, here it is again. I think we have a slide. I believe we do. Um, biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in his sovereign will. Okay, so think about Jesus. I told you these things that my joy, my deep sense of faith in God and trust in his sovereign will, because remember, remember in the garden, if there's any way, Father, this can pass, let it be. You never let it's not my will, but thy will. Remember, he wrestled with that. Okay, so, so my joy, my trust, and my, my faith in God, okay, may be in you, and your joy, your trust in God and faith in God, may be mature and complete. Now, how does that play out? How does that play out? Okay, good. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, here are the key words. Who for the joy that was set before him. Who for the joy that was set before him. Okay. He endured the cross. I mean, come on, there's no picnic. He endured the cross, despising the shame, the embarrassment, the shame. And then is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So when Jesus, when Jesus is looking, when Jesus is looking at the cross, knowing full well, he had seen many men crucified. So he knew what was coming. So as Jesus looked at the cross, despising the cross and despising the shame, what is he doing? He's looking beyond. Looking to the time when he will be seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the joy that was set before him. When he looked at the cross, he looked beyond. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you this? We've got to learn to look beyond. I know life is hard. Two funerals yesterday. And I don't care what you say, every loss of a loved one is hard. No matter how old God bless Vernon with, with 88 years, trust me, it was still hard. If you ever lost your mom, life is can I, can I have an amen there? Life is hard. So you, know, you lose your job. The coal mine goes out of business. Your child is going astray. Your marriage is a wreck. In fact, you lost it. It's gone. He cheated on you. You cheated on him. It's gone. Life is hard. What do you do with all that? Well, if it involves sin, you repent, of course. But then beyond that, you look to the joy that lay before him. You understand this life is not, this life is not home. This is not home. Heaven is home. You look beyond whatever you're going through right now, <laughs> the waiting room, you look beyond that, and you look for the joy. And for Jesus, now you understand, before Christmas, Jesus existed in heaven. 
He was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He left that, came down, was born in a stinky cave, okay, lived a sinless life, ultimately was crucified on a cross, buried, and resurrected. Okay, all of that, okay, and he's going back. What's he going back to? The right hand of the throne of God. Isn't that good? Look beyond. Now see, if, if you look beyond, if you understand this life is not all there is, that will help you love this book. Because you start understanding that what this book talks about, that, that is con- contrary to culture, that this world is not, you know, they, everybody says, oh, this world is all it is. Get it while you can. Live for the gusto. Okay. Well, the word comes along and says, no, 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 no. There's something else. There's something else. Um, John Phillips was a, a Welsh preacher, not, not like, like 300 years ago. Uh, John was alive until probably about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Just a really simple, great preacher man of God. And um, he, pro- he taught one time in Jacksonville First Baptist Church on, on Psalm 24. And it has imprinted itself on my life since then. I want you to imagine with me. Imagine this. So Jesus dies. He's buried. He resurrects. He stays on the earth for 40 days, giving instructions to the, um, to the apostles, uh, restoring Peter, all that he has to do. He ends up with Acts chapter 1a. Okay? I want you to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. Okay? And then what's the Bible say? He ascends. He just and a cloud receives him into heaven. Well, John Phillips said, this is what happens. In his opinion, this is a prophetic time, looking forward to the time that happens. In Psalm 24, verse 7, we, we in our mind's eye, we see Jesus Christ approaching the gate. Open up, ancient gates. Open up, ancient doors. And let the King of glory enter. The the herald, as Jesus approaches heaven's gates, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? And the word says, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He approaches the gates of heaven, open these doors, and the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? It is the king, the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord invincible in battle. Well, what battle did he fight? He took death down in a throat hole, and he overcame death, sin, and the grave forever. He is mighty in battle. That's who he is. That's who he is. Now I'm telling you, that won't be our welcome, Tracy. But there's coming a day. One day, as we've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're going to go home. And there's going to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all his magnificent glory to welcome us. I chuckle sometimes what we do to heaven. Oh, I'm going to play golf in heaven. 
I'm going to fish in heaven. We're going to worship. We're going to worship the one who is worthy like never before. So as God the Father loved Jesus and Jesus loves us. It's, it's cool. I wrote this down the last thing I wrote down. You know, it's like this love. God the Father loved Jesus. Jesus loves us. And we are to love one another. It's all about the love deal. All about it. So brothers and sisters, rest in the fact that the cross was the message of sacrifice. About sacrifice. That God sacrificed and gave his son. Jesus sacrificed and gave his life. And he did it because he loves us. And he wants us to live, to bask, abide in that love. And we live and bask and abide in that love within the parameters of his precious word. His precious word. Let's bow our heads. Hey, God, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Father, help us like never before to be enamored with you and with your son and the Holy Spirit. Help us, Father, in this day of uncertainty when, when up is down and down is up and right is wrong and wrong is right to once again become enamored with your word. Father, we understand, we understand that the word is for your glory and our good. Help us believe that. Help us to dispel the lies of the liar that tells us that, that you know what, that, that you're mean and you don't want the best for us. You want us miserable. You want us joyful. That's why all this has happened. That we can have forgiveness of sins and experience the joy of Jesus. Now, Father, if there's someone here today who's never experienced this great love, may today um, be that day. Father, I want to pray. There's someone here today, Father, who, who's in bondage by the lies of Satan. Would today be the day that you set them free? This is your time to do as you desire in the hearts of men and women and children. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.